let's just go through through the some questions which have come through recently. And whilst I was here, I had some very nice regards from some of our listeners who listen to the recordings as they are aired in the States. So the first thing someone asked me at the beginning of the week, he asked about how does it work when it comes to saying when you're davening without a minion and saying Hashem Hashem Kel Rachum Bachanum, you'd give him a bit of so we have here in the Tilas Hashem Siddur, it has a line over here, Hamispal Beyochid Ein Oimerzeh. Now, actually, I think I did discuss this a few weeks ago or perhaps a few months ago, but I uh, couldn't trace it and I guess it deserves a repetition. Okay, so the question which I was asked is, what, how do you read that sentence? Tazan Shavu say no. Listen to our cries. Sakshiv menumam, or hear what we have to say. Kiyoyim ayikrov v'shem Hashem, as on the day where Moshe Rabbeinu appeals and calls out to Hashem. V'shom neemar, there it was said. Now normally v'shom neemar is followed by a colon. What was said there? Vayave Hashem alpano vayikro Hashem Hashem kilrachem v'chanon. So it's a colon prompting to, to say vayave. Now, when it says should not say it, so what's the sense of the next of those words? what? There was said and kind of left in midair. Now, first of all, we've discussed this before that the Tilas Hashem Siddur is a copy largely of a Siddur published in Vilna 111 years ago called Seder Ho'avoida. If you see on the right, on the bottom of the page, there is in brackets, it has Samach Hei Ayin, um, Reish, whatever, what the Reish is, I'm not sure, but that's like a code for the publisher. Samach Hei Ayin stands for Seder Ho'avoida. So this is the Vilna print, Seder Ho'avoida. Now here, as you can see, uh, has that instruction the one who's davening alone should not say v'shom neemar and v'yavr and should not be saying Hashem Hashem. What is remarkable though is that in the Vilna print v'shom neemar is after the instruction of what to miss out. In other words, ein oimer, you don't say b'shom neemer either. In the kohos print, which is, as I say, was co largely copied from there, there, curiously, the v'shom neemer is placed before the instruction to skip, and therefore you get the impression you should say those words v'shom neemer and stop short. So that in itself is, is a, a problem. Now, in the Vilna print, and if you have an older Siddur, which is Chabad Siddur, Hashem, 40 years old, let's say, you're going to see that that instruction of Hamitpal Yochid Ein Oimir that instruction appears only in um, 
only in Shacharis, sorry, only at Mincha and not in Shacharis. Someone writes to the Rebbe, and that's in Igrith Kodesh Ligimel. He asks, what's the explanation of the difference between Shacharis and Mincha? Im yeshchilik v'amiryas yegimel mirzerachem in b'yochid ben tshvilas shachris mincha isliches. Is there a reason to differentiate whether a yochid should be saying yegimel midas? Does it matter whether it's shachris or mincha or sliches? The Rebbe responds, Loira isi v'loishamati me'odishum chiluk. I haven't seen, I haven't heard any reason to differentiate. As far as saying yegimel midas. On, its, uh, on, on one's own, whether it's Shacharis Mincha or Slichas. When Nifsek had din stam, Beshuchanoruch, Simentov Kuf Samachay, Sivhe. It's a clear halacha in Shuchanoruch, which we'll read in a moment. Just as we're speaking, just to remind you that the idea of saying Achnun and Hashem Hashem with Yugimil Tharachmim on a daily basis, twice a day, that's a Nusach Svar, Nusach Arizal. Uh, practice. In Nusach Ashkenaz, it's not said at all. Yudhiyam Mizrachim is not said as part of the daily Tachna. So let's come back. So Rebbe's first point is no reason to differentiate between Shachas Mincha or Slichas. Second point, look in Shachnarach. Then you're asking the question, what happened in the Tilas Hashem Siddur? To which the Rebbe kind of offers some kind of apology. The Siddur Tilas Hashem HaSholem. The, the term, the, the first Chabad Siddur called the Tilas Hashem was that, was known as the Rastova Siddur. That's a very thin Siddur. with very small writing and you keep, keep on turning the pages. That was published in Rastov in Tov um, Reish Ein Ches. That's 1918. And um, was published again in Leningrad about 10 years later, and then it was published uh, several times afterwards. Now you can hardly see them, but they, they were published again in America. The thin, that thin Siddur was called, we call it the Rastova Siddur, but that was called Tilos Hashem. And when the Americas in Yonachinach published this beautiful Siddur, which we use regularly, um, copying from the Seder Avoida, that is called Tilos Hashem HaSholem. So that's why the Rebbe uses just the terms of reference to be clear. Tilas Hashem HaSholem means the full Siddur rather than the Tilas Hashem, um, the Rastova print, which is, which is incomplete because you have to keep on turning pages. So let's read again. The Rebbe's last sentence here is, the Siddur Tilas Hashem HaSholem, the Siddur Tilas Hashem which you're asking about, where you've seen a discrepancy, a change between Mincha and Shachris, who photographia, it's merely a photo copy of the preceding, its, its predecessor, that is the Seder of Avoida print. And as we were working on it, we didn't have enough time to check it adequately. So let's go through these points which the Rebbe raises step by step. First of all, he's saying there's no difference between Shachras and Mincha or Slichas. Second, number two. He says, I've got a source in Shulchan Aruch. Now, just to help us, we've got the, the, the text of the Shulchan Aruch here on top of the, of the page. 
and here is as it is in Tofkuf Samachay, that's the Dinim of Tanis, and so here's where it's Hilchas Slichas of Tanis, and but the Rebbe said there's no difference between them, so we're going to use this as the basis also for Shachar Samincha as per Nusach Svart, Arizal, where we say you give Mansarachim at Shachar Samincha. So let's read the Machaber. Ein hayochid rashai loimar shloish esrei midas. An individual without a minion isn't uh, authorized to say that you'd give the 13 attributes of mercy, in a form of prayer and supplication. They have the status like Kedusha and Kaddish and Borchu. It's got that level of, of, of sanctity that it's not correct to, um, to say it without a minion. But if you want to recite it just as a recital, not as a form of supplication and arousing heavenly mercy, Oimram, you have to say it. And on the margin here in the top of Samachi, he says, talk, say it, you can say it with, if you can, you should say it with the Tamim, with the Trop. Okay. And here the Maramos says, So, it's, it's, okay, so this is where we, we so this is what the Rebbe is um, referring us to, that you can. There's no problem to say you'd give mulsarachimim, but 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 just as derakriya bi'alma, just as a recital, rather than for the purpose of bakoshes rachimim. So now coming back, so the correct thing to the shulchan aruch is don't have to skip it. You just say it. Just as a recital, not as so that should be a that that is certainly acceptable. Now, then the Rebbe said, that they didn't have the opportunity to check. Uh, I suspect, and just to clarify, these instructions are mispal b'yochid, which has appear in the Vilna print in that Tafresh Ayn Aleph, do not appear in the original Sidurim of the Alter Rebbe, the ones in Samach Gimel and Ayn Vov, Tafkov Samach Gimel from 220 years ago, etc. And all of those Sidurim for the first 100 years approximately, you don't have this instruction. It was, it was introduced by the printer in Vilna just 112, 11 years ago approximately. Fine. So, um, but what's, what I suspect what happened is that Rebbe told them to take away this comment altogether. And instead, the publisher, whoever was, was doing the, 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 the work on it, he left, he, he, in other words, it's a little bit of an interesting lotion in the old print. Don't say this and they not not to give midas. So not to say this is what the Shom Neema, not to say Avashem Aponov. Um, so possibly the Rebbe's instruction was to take out the whole comment, but the one who did the actual work understood that the Shom Neema should be left and it should be said, and Vayavashem Aponov should be missed, should be skipped. And so they made those modifications. And I think that's part of what the Rebbe is lamenting. 
because what was done here is really, um, it doesn't, to, to say without finishing the sentence, doesn't really have uh, an, a logical explanation at all. Just before we go on and um, finish off this point, Rebbe Hishka Gansburg apparently asked the Rebbe about this in Yechidus. And the Rebbe's response was, Lo shamati whether you should say, you shouldn't say. Oh. Very, very strange answer. There's a Shulchan Aruch. It says that a Yochid shouldn't say it Baderach Tefillah, but you can say it Derech Kriya So what is this conversation which Gansburg is saying that he asked the Rebbe and the Rebbe says, should you say it or shouldn't say it? And, it, and the Rebbe says, Lo shamati We have to be very careful how much we rely on someone uh, who says, I heard this in Yechidus. It's a very fine Chassidah but perhaps there was a misunderstanding there. Um, the only thing I could suggest is that you're asking whether it's better to say Derech Nigun, Derech Kriya or just better to skip it. And we know that the Munkacher holds that you shouldn't say it, uh, even with Derech Kriya. So it's like, but uh, that's, that's uh, that was the conversation in Yechidus. But um, what we have here, a letter of the Rebbe, it says, look in Shechon Aruch. And so the Shechon Aruch says, you can say it. And uh, so that's fine. Let's move on. Someone asked me hmm, about, there's a, business, there's a business of not putting out the match when you light the candles just before Shabbos. And so now you've got a, a kind of gas, um, a gas lighter, and you, you press on a button, and that makes the, holds the flame. You release the button, so then the gas flow stops, and the, and the flame, flame goes out. So he's asking, I'd written about this in Sivim Bistea Shlichas, Chele Gimel, I had written about the minhik not to put out the uh, match, as we'll read it this in, inside, and leave the match to go out by itself. So he's asking, when you're using this gas lighter, isn't and you release the button, isn't by the fact that you're releasing, isn't that the same as putting out the match? And once you're in the Kabbal Shabbos, um, you shouldn't be putting out the flame. We'll read the thing inside, but as I as was saying, you know, I, I, my response to him was very simple. There's a difference between putting out a match that you, you are making it go out. When you are holding, when you're pressing a button and you now take away your pressure and the button jumps back, you haven't put out the flame. You have stopped providing fuel to the flame. The flame went out by itself. Your energy was maintaining the, the fuel flow. And now you've stopped giving that energy and therefore it, it stopped by itself. And therefore, I don't think that's a problem at all. But since this has come up, uh, let's read this inside in Tafra in, in Simon Reish Samach Gimel. So Yesh Oimrim, there is a shita, it's a shita going back to one of the Goinim, perhaps more than one. Shakiman There are those who maintain that once a, a one has lit all the candles which you intend to light for Shabbos, that moment 
becomes Shabbos. Unless you stipulate it that you're not doing, you're not come Kabbalah Shabbos. So, but by default, the last once you finish the last candle, then it's Shabbos for you. Now, Vialpi Zen Now, the, 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 the next thing is actually <coughs> sorry. Um, many, if, if you light many candles, more than two, then the likelihood is that you're going to light one candle with a match. And then light the, with that candle, light the other candles. So this business of dropping the match or not dropping the match doesn't really apply practically for women who light lots of candles. Um, I'm talking about candles. I'm not talking about the neroinim or other, other you know, these paraffin ones, which is, I guess they are a different story. Okay. Because of this opinion in the Goyne, that the mere finishing the last lighting is Kabbalah Shabbos. Therefore, there's a meaning of women to after they made the broch and lit the candles. They, they, the wick, which they had been using to light the candles, they will drop it onto the floor. They will not put it out manually, directly. They won't extinguish it directly. By the mere finishing touch, the last candle is lit, Shabbos. So they, therefore, they, they don't extinguish the, the uh, wick which they use for lighting, they just drop it. Obviously, there's a couple of um, questions here. Harry says, and now that's following the minig, this quote, I'll but usually quote Poskim in the language which they used to a, to a degree. And some poskim, and indeed that's the Minigas Fardin, up to today, they, they will light, they make the bracha, and then they will light. Minigashkinaz, we'll discuss later in Reish Samar Gimel, is the, not that sequence. Uh, women will light the candles, then cover their eyes and say the bracha then. But the, this, this Loshan, therefore, is, Maybe a little bit bothersome, but that's that's uh, I, don't, I don't think it really changes the picture. So fine. Um, then he let's finish off this paragraph. You can light many candles and don't have to worry about Kabbalah Shabbos. Then shekulon mitzvah sadloka achasein. This all one mitzvah of lighting. Vein Kabbalah Shabbos cholo ead achak mar hadlok. Once you finish lighting all the candles, that's when it's Shabbos for you. And then the Yesh Chalkin. Then the Noda opinion says, no, that you're not Makabal Shabbos by lighting. Uh, I'm skipping, as you can see, towards the end of that paragraph. Indeed, the Minig remains. Minig Ashkenaz, not just Minig Sfar, but Minig Ashkenaz also, is that women are Makabal Shabbos by the last lighting. The Kabbalah Shabbos, even though she hasn't said the bracha yet, is already by the mere fact that she's finished lighting. And then he goes in there for Shishadam. Mincha earlier, that's another discussion. So what we're seeing here is that the finishing of the lighting is considered Kabbalah Shabbos. Um, 
and so coming back to the original question is re releasing the pressure on the gas lighter is that called um putting out the flame as i say it's i think it's the same as dropping the uh the psilo to the floor and okay uh, you know, it, nature will uh, follow its course it will go out but that's not that you, it's not your doing i think i once discussed this also where someone raised the point that and this is the altarebbe's wording psilo is very specific a, a wick because it's porous you leave it onto a, a flat surface it's going to continue burning so dropping it onto the flat surface is not putting it out a match by contrast if you put it onto a flat surface it will go out and therefore this person was arguing with me that um i'm ready to be macabre if it's if, if it's a match instead of putting the match on a flat surface put it in a diagonal on a diagonal position that it shouldn't go out automatically by the fact that you put it down okay so that's uh question number two I know this is subject to a debate, uh, what we just discussed, uh, whether we do follow this minig or not. I did have a debate about this with Rabbi Rimler of uh, Brighton Beach, and it was in Har Sabiurim, and uh, in the Sefer Nesivim Bahalocho Minhig, I've brought down his position, my position, etc. Anyone wants to read it more carefully is welcome to find it over there, or I can, they can send me an email, I'll send them the conversation. One of our regular uh, listeners asked about on Shabbos using a uh, a screw cap um, bottle. Are you allowed to open these on Shabbos? And um, so there is a, a, a substantial machloikas haposkim about this where you have and what you have in front of you is the safer piske chuvas shinyo dalad sifza and sif cotton ball and this question is is opening this screw cap is it creating a keili this cap wasn't usable before as because it was depressed and now it's going to be by breaking off the the i think so you're creating something or you're fixing something this is the opinion of of, of some poskim the most significant one was Rishlema Zalman, who was Mahmir. If I'm not mistaken, there was someone called the Zutschke Rebbe, and he was the one who stirred up this, this question, and he wrote to many different poskim about this. Um, one of those he wrote to was the late Rav Padve Peinach, who actually is quite, um, he says, I don't have strong enough evidence to make any issue on this. But um, in my, personally, I, I try to avoid it, but I don't, I don't have evidence enough to make an issue. Um, the Debrecinero, the Be'er Moshe, he doesn't see any problem with it. And I'm particularly, um, how do you say, not ready to make an issue on this because we saw this being done in front of the Rebbe. People would bring vodka, and I know there are those who say that they would open them before Shabbos. That wasn't always the case. So let's just go through quickly through what he's, he writes over here in Piske Chuvas. <coughs> he says these um, kakim, these, these bottle, um, bottle tops, which by uh, opening them, you're breaking off a ring 
or there's a uh, or it gets torn open. Many, many opinions. The mice, uh, they are eminent poskim who do allow the metal a, a cap. And therefore, he says, we can't really object totally to those who do allow to use them, especially where there's lots of people. And he says, here's an interesting point. If there's a large crowd, then you open up a bottle and then you're not going to use the bottle top again because it's going to go to get thrown out in any case. And so that makes makes life easy. So especially if there's a larger crowd and so the bottles are not going to be kept. So you can't really have a taina that you're creating something useful because it's going to be thrown away in any case. So these are his arguments to mitigate um, the opening of these bottles. But then he says, nevertheless, one should take heed of the other poskim who say that there is as a particularly reflects Dalman, who's he's a Khashki of Khato, so he said so he's like very concerned about it. And therefore, this is a question of Makabapatish, because it starts off just as a flat piece of metal, and then now it's been squeezed, and now by breaking it apart, now it's going to become usable. Um, so bottom line is that can we use so when you come back to our, our simple question, can you open these cupboards? As I say, many, many possibilities, it's okay. Some do have a problem with it. I would recommend, if you didn't open it before Shabbos and you need it on Shabbos, to open it Kelachayad. Um, personally, I would take, like, for example, instead of twisting the cap off the bottle, if you twist the bottle away from the cap, and so that's not a normal way of doing it, and I think that's adequate. Where you have need for it and you didn't prepare it before Shabbos. Okay. One of our regular listeners, um, friend, he's involved with uh, a Jewish man who unfortunately is married to, to a non Jewish uh, woman and was, when he passed away, was buried in a non Jewish cemetery. And so he's asking. What can we do as far as um, as far as saying Tehillim, as far as saying Kaddish? So let's take a look. We have here Shuchnoroch and Simantanik Dalad talking about a person who's traveling. And you have a choice. Do you daven whilst you're traveling or do you wait till you get into the hotel or the hostel, motel whilst you're traveling? So he says it would actually if you can find a quiet spot en route by the side of the road where you won't be disturbed by passers-by, actually better to daven over there than to daven in the in the motel where there's going to be certainly um, idols and other abominable things and it's not appropriate to bring Kedusha into such a place. Moshe Rabbeinu, when he prayed for the uh, cessation of one of the plagues, he says, Ketsesi Esoir, and I'll leave the town. He didn't want to daven in the city, the metropolis of in Mitzrayim, because it was Malaya Gilulim, was full of, of idols. So that's the sentiment, preferably not to daven in a place where there are idols, etc. But if you cannot find a quiet spot on the roadside, 
then it's okay to dive in this pile, but more in the Isaac Heron's office. You'll find a quiet corner in the hotel and you'll dive in there. Where the other people uh, are, are, who are living there in this hot, in a, a motel shouldn't disturb you. Don't be worried about the fact there are idols, symbols, etc. Wherever we're living, there are churches and there are icons. Therefore, it's it's not a really an avoidable situation, and it's okay. So coming back to the question over here, may you say Tilim, um, say Kaddish in a non-Jewish cemetery. To say Tilim Amish in front of a cross seems to be, uh, you know, not, not, not very Gishmak. Um, different types of crosses. There's Christian, there's, how do you say, um, Protestant, um, Catholic, different types. But, um, if you go away a little distance, you're looking, you know, you're not looking directly at them more than more than Daladamas away, that would be okay. Kaddish, if there are 10 people there, to say again, to say Kaddish right near at Salem seems to be out of order. But if you can get it away, if there's a path a little bit further where there's more than Daladamas from, from a grave, I think that would be okay. Which brings me to the next question on our list, which was one of the Shluchos sent me she's on the way to the oil in an uber and the uh driver has a salem suspended from the rear view mirror mirror and she told me also there's prayer beads which i don't know what that means exactly um and she's allowed to say till him now what we're seeing here is that if you can look away so to speak uh, then that shouldn't in itself should not be a problem in addition there happens to be that this uh, car had a a screen uh, between the front and the back of the car, as is common in the taxis here in New York. And I certainly felt it was okay to, for her to continue to say her to say her till him and leave the driver do his own thing. Okay, then we have a question which was asked by one of our regular listeners, and he's in a uh, faraway location. He's a lawyer. And he was appointed by a non-Jewish client as executor of his estate. Um, and he then, this client passed away. In the instructions to his executor, he has given instructions that he should be cremated. He's a goy. So the question is, is it okay for a Yid to be involved in the cremation of a goy? Is a goy allowed to be cremated? Is it for going not to have himself cremated? Is there such a thing? Um, a bit more complicated is the fact that the, uh, the place where this is, cremations are done by, it's a religious service done by the priests of the local Abedazara. So to my knowledge, I've done a research for this a few times, Although we understand that a goy is also has a form of tselamalikim, but the emphasis of uh, how, how you know how we stro so object uh, so um, uh, strongly object to the concept of cremation is very much a Jewish thing, and for a goy to be cremated is not something which we have to make a fight about. We wouldn't advise it, but we wouldn't. We don't have to make a fight about this. Now. What's a little bit more complicated was 
about giving this uh, delegating, making a phone call to the local local temple and asking them to, to do this job, which I felt was a little uncomfortable. The reason being that they're going to they, they then they're going to uh, it'll be a conversation also involving something about their rights of their religion their religious right. So I felt it would be um, simpler that this Jewish lawyer appoints a either either work of his or another colleague who's a non-Jewish lawyer who should be carrying out the uh, the instruction. Now we have a, a rule in Hichas Shabbos that if you employ a goy to do a permitted act and they choose to do it uh, in a way that's also doing an avera. That's not a problem because you've been, you've been commissioned them. To, let's say you ask a guy to open the door of your fridge. And by the way, the light goes on. That is acceptable because your instruction to him was not about the, the, the switching on the light. Your instruction was to open the fridge. So you have a few different variations of the same idea. So if I give instructions to sort out a cremation, that is being done on my behalf. The fact that the cremation will be involving a certain form of Avedazara, I didn't feel that that is such a big concern because that wasn't what you asked them to do. The fact that they, that's the way they do that, but that's not my instructions. And therefore that they're doing by their own volition and you're all you're doing, uh, asking them to do is do the act of cremation, which as I said, with a goy, that would be, uh, would be something you, you are allowed to let through. It would obviously be a, a much more difficult question if the client was Jewish. And then you as a, a professional, um, you'd be in conflict between your professional uh, uh, duty to carry out the client's instructions and your, your as a from a year, you wouldn't, I guess, you'd never accept such an instruction because you wouldn't be able to do it. It's similar to the question about if you are a travel agent and uh, a client wants you wants you to book them a ticket to be able to travel on Shabbos. Uh, there are so many variations of this idea, which do become quite complicated. But in here, in this case, I felt it was uh, something which we could let through. Uh, which brings me to the next um, question, which also happened this past week, that a Jewish man had died without having made any uh, arrangements for burial. And looks like didn't have any money. Um, and the body was just in a morgue somewhere. And a non-from friend of Chabad gave the shliach, was it $5,000 or $10,000 to cover the cost of the burial, which is really uh, very generous. And then all of a sudden there's an ex of kin. There's an ex of kin of this, of the deceased, and they are insisting on a cremation. And they're saying that's what the nifta would have wanted. And, and next of one, you generally, once the next of kin stands in court against you, it's a, it's a lost case. But, but that's, that's now that the chutzpah is though, that now that this next of kin is in, in telling the shliach, well, you have the money to deal with this person, to, to, to deal with the, uh, end of life uh, costs. And I want you, Rabbi, to pay the cremation parlor. They should uh, do, do the uh, cremation. 
I felt that was un totally unacceptable. Um, for Shliach to be actually paying for the cremation, I, I felt that was um, beyond what, 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 what one should allow. I said, maximum what you should do is give it the whole, the whole lot, send it back to this donor. And the, the donor who gave the money, he doesn't, doesn't care, yeah, he just gave it as a generous gesture, but it's not, not because he's dafka, one religious or not so religious, uh, so it doesn't bother him either way. So I said that you, uh, you'd have to give back the money. To hold on to the money, you can get yourself into trouble. Give back the money and tell them, listen, I can't deal with it, and you do what you want to do. Okay, now let's get to something more trailer. And this is again one of our regular quick listeners asked the question about if you have a, a door knocker installed to the front of your door, are you allowed to use it on Shabbos? So what's the issue here? There's the issue of not creating music, etc. Midrabonum we're not allowed to create music on Shabbos. So let's read this. This is from uh, I'm sorry, the, the reference the number the reference in some number six are from from last week and nothing to do with the reference over here. Um, it's just a little bit of the Russian era of Shabbos. Didn't manage to get everything together properly. All right. So he says here in the Shulchan Aruch, I think it's Shin Lamed Ches, that he says about to to, um, to knock on the door that people should let you in. That is... Uh, he says that since it's not derech shir, it's not a form of, of a tune, it's a song. Mutala hashmiya, you are allowed to make a knock on a door to, to, to because it's not creating music. But then he continues. Yesh oimri, There are those who maintain that although knocking on a door is permitted, but you wouldn't be allowed to use a specially designed knocker. Because then, once you've got an instrument, then there's going to be back to the whole thing. Why don't we play music on Shabbos in case you come to adjust the instrument, fix up the instrument? To knock on the door with the ring, which is fixed there as a knocker. Even though you're not creating music, you're just using your knocker. But since it's a made as a knocker, then you shouldn't be opening, you shouldn't be using it on Shabbos to knock on the door. Um, therefore, in the old days, in the ghettos, etc., the Shamas was the one who would go on around the ghetto and he had a, a knocker, which he would knock on the shutters on, on, of people's houses to wake them up to come to Shachris. Now, I've seen pictures of those. They look like a chauffeur, like a long handle and a big um, bigger piece at the end. Um, so he says that he would not, on Shabbos, the Shabbos would not be using his regular knocker because it's a kliham yuchid, it's made for creating no a noise. Instead, he would have to, on Shabbos, knock on the, on the doors with his hat. With, with his hat. And he says, uh, in some places on Shabbos, they would use something else Another instrument, the Shamash will get his hands very sore of knocking all those doors on a Shabbos morning. So they would allow him to knock with something else, another kind of stick or something, which was not made as a knocker. Reb Meijer Katzenelberg in Alava Shalom maintained that 
you know, you know the post the post slot where the mail comes in. And sometimes there's like a handle, which is uh, part of that piece. That handle is on a hinge, and you can leave it, and it can it can drop, and be act as a knocker. So it acts also as a handle to pull the door. Also, it can hand it work as a knocker. So the Moshe was inclined to allow to use those knockers on Shabbos because it's not made as a knocker, it's made as a handle. Um, I'm not so sure because it also is made as a knocker. There's a special little piece there. So better to avoid. But certainly if it's a knocker, just as a knocker. So here you have a clear din that it's not okay for Shabbos. Finally, we'll stop with this, and that is that someone asked me, we have the lotion of Perik Echot Shachris Beger Echot Arvis. It's asking, what exactly does it mean, Perik? It's like a, it's seen as a kind of a minimum, a minimum kind of uh, amount of learning Torah per day, one chapter in the evening, in the morning, one chapter in the evening. What does it mean a chapter, a chapter of what? So, why I um, I discovered as I was looking around that there is <coughs> the lotion of Arvis is in Menachas Daftarik Tesamid base. It's mentioned several times in Tanya um, in passing, and but then there is a piece which was found in the last fifty years, a piece of the Alter Rebbe's, like like a Kuntrasachrin kind of piece, and it's published at the back of the Alter Rebbe's Shachanaruch. Volume Hey, Tafkof Yudalad. It was, it was, it was, it said that here he talks about this business of Perek Echoshach has Perek Echad Arvis. Basically, he says the following There's a level of learning of Torah, really understanding and, and delving, etc. That's what we call Limud Agamar. That's really to understand. And then there is Mishnah, which is Halacha, which means you know the facts, what you're allowed to do, what you're not allowed to do but not necessarily the reasoning behind. And so if a person, this is his discussion, I'll have a discussion over here. If a person is not capable of delving into the discussion aspect of, of, of Tyra, not able to, uh, it's not, not, not really, it doesn't work with him, this whole Gemara and, and, and probing, etc. So for such a person, so we have the idea of Perek Echad Shachis, Perek Echad Arvis, and if you look at the last words on this uh, slide, which you can see, let the person have a, have a job and earn a, earn a living, and he'll be yoytzer. Interesting. It, basically, the word perek here means to learn something of halacha, rather than to be learning something more of Shaklevitaria discussion as in the Gemara, instead learn something of Halacha. And he says, Mishnah Braise, I'm sure that's the same thing would apply to Limit Harambam. It's, in other words, getting the factual information rather than the, the, the Lomdas which is behind it. So, Perik Echad Shacharis, Perik Echad Arvis would mean, I don't know whether it means, my, my impression is it doesn't mean a full chapter. What it means, a, a section. The word perik means a section, and a section of, of, of halacha on a daily basis. And how much, how big that section is, is up to the person's, uh, you know, 
the resources, what's available to him, etc. Um, I mentioned this the word perek. Some some of our listeners like uh, a bit of dictuk. You've got the same shorish prat, which means a detail, same as the English word part. We have the word perech, as in backbreaking labor. We have the word pirul, which means uh, a crumb. And now we have the word perek, which means a part. They're all the same shorish. They all mean of taking things apart. Um, different forms, whether it's a crumb, or it's a part, or whether it's a, a uh, breaking, it's all the same, the same shodash, the word peyresh. Um, in Kabbalah, there is a, a significance to this. If I'm not mistaken, the word, the five letters of Mansapach equal 200 to 280. And there is a, a drush on the words in Posseh, Kfoyr ko'efer yafazir. Kfoyr is um peyreish and chovvov, which is your kivovke. Koefer is peyreish and chov aleph, which is area. Yefazel is um peyreish and yud zayin, which is, I think, a misbekotten of yud kivovke. Whatever it may be, there is, so you have this idea of gvurus. Peyreish is the union of gvurus, and that fits with the union of it breaking things down, whether it's perek or prat or perek, etc. Um, we should be past this stage of breaking down the Gburus, and we should see Chasodim Gluyim, the B.S. Moshiach Zedkeinu, Mamish, and since you're listening to this, I'm on Sorry Shabbos, so we should be told about this through El Yohanovi Mavasa Agulo, Mehir of Yameinu Mamish. Shabbos and a good of whichever way you want. Halted.